Christmas you know, next week. We're going to do a little bit of tag teaming. We haven't tried that before. We'll see. We'll see if he can keep up. Don't tell him I said that. You know. Um, then I'll come back the following week and and take the main points that we're starting. I'll talk to you about resolutions that heal. Some of you have gotten cynical. I bet you don't even bother making resolutions anymore. Let's face it. If our resolutions had paid off, we'd be 50 pounds lighter right now, wouldn't we? We wouldn't have any credit card debt, and we'd have plenty of uh, funds in our emergency account. Amen? But resolutions come and go, and by early spring, usually they've gone pretty much. But I always believe it's not a bad idea at all to stop every once in a while, even if it's once a year, and sort of reset and refocus. And as I was praying about this a few weeks ago, I was saying, Lord, what, what can we do? What do you want us to do to really make a difference in this new year? What, what do we do to make a difference in the new year? And I started talking about and thinking about resolutions that heal. Because there's one thing all of us have in common, whether you want to admit it or not, we need to be healed. There are things in our lives that are not just right. There's brokenness in our life that didn't sit straight. And we need healing in our life. And so I'd like for us to talk a little bit this morning. Help me uh, to kind of set this thing up. I'm going to talk about where you're supposed to be <laughs> in your life and how your life is supposed to look. And let's begin right back where it began in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. It says, God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Notice he just created male and female. Just leave that alone there. <laughs> Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, underline this in your Bible, be fruitful. Be fruitful. And increase the number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and to all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for your food. And so it was. And God saw all that he made, and it was what? <coughs> very good. Your life was created to be very good. But we know, unfortunately, it didn't end there. That wasn't the end of the story. Sin came creeping into the Garden of Eden and messed everything out. It was like we were all on board some airliner that crash-landed, and all of us got hurt. Not a single person escaped. We're all bruised and cut and bleeding. We have internal wounds, and nothing is as it should have been. Nothing is like it was supposed to be. We were supposed to live in perfect harmony with God, with perfect harmony with the earth. Everything was supposed to be very good. And they all said, Amen. <clears throat> but your secret is not so secret. There's something seriously wrong. We're not living in that very good earth anymore. We've been wounded and the bacteria of sin has found its way through our wounds into our lives and has made it difficult to get along with people. And they all said, 
made it difficult to maintain marriages and parent-child relationships and working relationships. It's made it very difficult. Things are not as they should be. Something inside of us testifies that things are not as they should be. And so in response to this brokenness, to this devastation, God sends Jesus. And Jesus is going to pick the pieces of our lives back up. And he's going to put us back together and not only save our eternal souls, he's going to save our lives so that life will have some degree of being very good even while we wait for heaven. Are you following me? Now, there will be some things very good about this life. And so the Bible says, and there's going to be a description now of what the restored life is going to look like. We find this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is... Now I'm going to describe your life in Jesus. Love. Amen. This is is what Jesus recreated you to be. Love, joy, peace, patience. Thought I'd try that one out a moment. Kindness. Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is your restored life. The fruit of the Spirit is creating these things in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All these things are being created by the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so... We are not exactly back in Eden, but we are living a pretty good life in anticipation of an eternal life later. Amen? Because we've got love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faith. So all those things are in our lives, right? Are they? Is, Is that the characteristic? Can I tell you your problem? Can I tell you what's wrong with you? <laughs> it's just a, an educated guess, but go light on the education. <clears throat> You're waiting for what I call a Jesus box. And when you get this Jesus box, you're going to open it up, and all this stuff's going to jump on you. And you're going to be like a spiritual Christmas tree. Love, joy, and peace, and patience. And and, and man, I wish that box would get here, don't you? I I wish I could get this Jesus box. And some people go around saying to people, would you speak a word from the Lord on me? Because I need the Jesus box to show up. And so they're all the time, look, I found people who talk the most about I need a word from the Lord, or, or I need a prophetic word. Are the people who are saying, I desperately need for this life to show back up. And uh, it's, it's not going to happen. You're waiting for a Jesus box to show up that everything is all of a sudden fixed. But you really don't need another word from a prophet over your life, what you need is spiritual insight into what's causing the fruit not to show up in the first place. Can you track with me on that one? 
I really don't need someone to prophesy over me love, joy, peace, goodness. But I don't, I don't need, what I need to do is figure out why is it that that's not just naturally showing up in my life? Come on, guys. You're, you're dragging me down. Kickoffs at noon. You've you got you to get with me here. We ask God to change the situations around us so all of a sudden we will have love and joy and peace and patience, not understanding that it's not the stuff around us that's keeping that stuff from happening. It's the stuff within us that's keeping that stuff from happening. Amen. Don't make me come down there. I have a picture I posted last night. Can we bring that picture up? I'm an artiste. The guy on the left is who Jesus created you to be through the power of the Holy Spirit. The guy on the right may be who you really are. (laughs) And the difference between where you're at and where you're supposed to be are those nine things. The life that God has for you are those nine things. And I think you have to stop and ask yourself, are those things happening? And if they're not happening, I have to come to a realization that there is something wrong with my relationship to the Holy Spirit. What I'm talking about, resolutions that heal. What I'm going to be talking about in the opening weeks of this, of this year is how do I deal with the problem that's keeping the fruit of the Spirit out of my life? Why do I not have love, joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faith? Why do I not have all that? And I'm going to say, it can't be your fault. Because you are not in me creating fruit. It's got to be something else. And I'm going to help you (laughs) figure that out. Are you excited? Figure that out so that we grow up in Christ into what we're supposed to be. How far off are you? Look at it. How, How far off are you? Those through the Spirit who say, oh, love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness. I saw you on the way to the blue light special with blood in your eyes. And other people's skin under your nails. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Fruit doesn't hide somewhere in the root system. Unless you're a potato. (laughs) Fruit doesn't hide somewhere in the root system. Fruit pops out on the branches of a healthy plant. We've got about... I don't know, seven or eight apple trees on our place. They're just really small. Um, But most years, the last few years, there's been, you know, a lot of apples in the fall. 
thing I like to do when I'm, I'm going out to the to the deer stand is go by the tree, pull a few apples from and, and eat the apples while I'm deer hunting. And the vegans all said. But this year, there was none. No apples. A few little imps, but no real apples. And I think I know why. Because late in the spring, when they were all blossomed out into flowers, it came a late frost and destroyed the buds which produced the apples. So I know why a normal fruit didn't happen. So there's nothing I can do about that. But you see, fruit doesn't hide in the root somewhere for us to find it. Fruit is on display. When I am living in the fruit of the Spirit, I don't have to go looking for the fruit, but something about the Spirit's presence in me causes love and joy and peace and patience, and that stuff just starts popping out on my life. Are you tracking with me? And so... uh, if you hear me say, I've got to be more loving, you know, I've got to, then you're, you're not hearing what I'm saying. I'm saying that will take care of itself. If the Spirit is given control of my spirit, that stuff's going to happen. I've got to figure out how do I get spiritually healthy so these things begin to happen. And, and that's what we're going to be talking about opening up this, this new year. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about it ahead of time. And they all said, we're so excited. Let's take a few notes. The first step in resolutions that heal is to simply believe the fruit. To simply believe the fruit. If the fruit is not displaying itself, there's a reason. Now, For those of you who have um, got the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all that really blooming out in your life, I hate you. No, I I praise God for you. (laughs) I say thank God for you. Praise God for the Holy Spirit's work. I love to be around people who the fruit of the Spirit is just popping out on them, right? Amen? But as we look at these fruits, and you see those in your notes, and you go, okay, maybe not so much, we've got to stop and say, I realize there's a problem. I realize there's a problem. Believe the fruit. If you, if you can just look yourself in the eye, you'll need a mirror to do this. Just look yourself in the eye and say, Do I have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness? Is that stuff popping out on me? And if you go, no, believe it. Just believe it. Just go, okay, I've got a problem. I've got a problem. Once a year, I do one of those incredible things. I have an annual physical. It's awful, I'm telling you. It's humiliating. It's embarrassing. But when we get the reports back and the doctor lectures me on how much weight I need to lose and how I need to quit eating this and start eating that, do you guys ever go through that? 
I have a choice to make. Do I believe the reports or do I ignore the reports? Do I look at the report and say, yes, these numbers say something that needs to get my attention? Or do I go, ah, my grandma ate lard till she was 90 years old. Why am I worried about that, you know? You know, I can, I can choose to be stubborn with it. Are you guys enjoying this so far? Would you please tell your face? Amen. Amen. Believe the fruit. The absence of fruit does not prove that the world has a problem. The absence of fruit proves that I've got a problem. Amen? All right. Here is the fundamental equation. I'm going to make all of you into Christian counselors today. You ever want to give good, solid advice? I want to give you one of our trade secrets as a Christian counselor. I want to give you the fundamental equation, as far as I know, that every Bible-based Christian counselor believes in this particular formula. Here it is. You ready? Truth plus grace plus time equals healing. Truth plus grace plus time equals healing. Every counseling relationship that I get in with someone, I understand that I need truth, they need grace, and I'm going to need some time, and they will be healed. That is the equation for all Christian counseling. Truth identifies the problem accurately. We cannot deal with a problem unless we're willing to look the problem in the eye and say, this is the problem. Amen? I've got to say, this is what's going on. I've got to mine around and figure it out, what's happening in this situation. You never get anywhere until you discover what the root cause is going on. So there's truth. Grace embraces God's love for us regardless of what the facts say against us. Grace say that God loves us regardless of what the facts say about us. The worst thing that truth says about you. Let's take the worst thing about you. What is it? Anybody want to volunteer? Let's take the worst thing about you. Grace says you're still valuable. In the presence of the worst thing about you. Grace says that you are loved even when the truth about you is not very pretty. Hello? Grace is the understanding that the ugliest thing about you doesn't change the fact that you're still worth the effort to restore. See, I've got to have truth, and then I've got to have grace to step in. I've got to have grace to step in and say, yes, this is true. I am X, Y, Z. I did this, this, and this. And, and when I look at that truth and I say, guilty as charged, that's truly my problem, my mistake, my action. But grace steps in and says, but you're still loved. I've never been to one of these meetings, but I've seen some on TV. You have a group of people come into a room, they sit down, there's a new guy comes in. And he stands up and he says, my name is Bill. 
and everyone says, Hi, Bill. Bill, Bill says, I am an alcoholic, or I'm a drug addict, or I'm addicted to porn. Or, and they all say, Hi, Bill. Welcome to the group. You know what that is? It's grace. It says, We are not here to judge you. We're here to help you get whole. See? And why is this 12-step program so fundamentally successful in so many different avenues? It's because you have this fundamental biblical principle, truth. I am an alcoholic, which I'm not. (laughs) Take that clip out of the... (laughs) I am an alcoholic, or I am this, or whatever this is. But grace says... You're still worth it. Can I tell you something? And they all said, yes, please. (laughs) Until you are confident in grace, you'll never be able to, to face the truth. Until you're confident in grace, you'll never be able to face the truth. You'll never be able to admit the truth. When someone comes to me as a pastor for pastoral counseling, I know this, until they are convinced that I am a person of grace, they'll never tell me the whole truth. Amen? And then we've got truth, we've got grace. What else do we have? Time gives the process of fruit, gives the process of fruit bearing to take place. Time says the problem won't be solved today but we're going to take a step toward it today. Time says it's, it's not all going to be fixed right now, but we're going to take a step that way. And so we've, we've put the process into place. There is a formula that's far more common than the healing formula, and, and you've probably encountered it, and it's really left you in, in, a, in a terrible situation. There is a... a an adaptation to this formula. Here's the, I call it the deadly formula. Truth plus justice plus time equals death. Truth plus justice plus time equals death. Now, what this means is we come to the conclusion of this is what the truth is about your problems. Here's what's wrong with you. Here's how you sin. Here's your carnality. Here's all this stuff. Justice now steps in and says, you are guilty as charged. Therefore, you are unfit. You are tainted. You are guilty. And that equation leads to death. Do you wonder why when you get arrested, the policeman always says something like this? You have a right to remain silent. If you give up the right to remain silent, can you say it? (laughs) Everything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to an attorney. And to have that attorney present. How do I know this? Because I have seen a lot of cop shows in my life. You have a right to an attorney. And to have that attorney present during all questioning. Why? Because truth plus justice is death. 
thing. I was confused the other day. I thought you might not know that. I was confused the other day, and when I wrote this part of this message, I kind of helped myself with the confusion. It's great when you confuse yourself and then help yourself get unconfused. Not everyone can do that. It's a gift. I wondered why people are so defensive of their problems. You see, most of the time, what's really wrong with you and what is really causing you problems in life is not a big secret to the people who know you. They know about it. If you honestly just sort of let down your guard and said to the people who know you best, what, what's my biggest fault? They go, oh, well, now that you mentioned it, bleh, you know. They would know it. But that is the area we are the most defensive. Don't you even hint that you know what's wrong with me. That's where you're going to get a fight. Hello? That's where I'm going to... Rare. And here's... See, I was confused. Why is it? That the one area or the areas I could use the most help with, why are those the areas that are the most fortified and protected and they're off limits to anybody who wants to talk to me about them? Why is that? I'm going to tell you something in a future sermon, but I'll go ahead and tell you it now, but you'll remember it then, right? under the subject of things that confuse me. Um, sometimes people leave a counseling relationship with me, I'm sure it's other counselors, um, offended, mad. Sometimes they won't even talk to you anymore. And you, you start saying, well, why are you mad? Because you said I'm selfish. Well, you are. You can't talk. Well, how are we going to get anywhere if, if you don't understand the selfishness that's undermining your life? You can't talk. Well, yeah, you made the appointments. I remember reading a scathing letter one time. From a guy who said, I can't believe I came to your office and you told me I was living in sin and I'm, I'm so mad. Anybody would talk to me that way. And I called him up and I said, let me get this straight. You are planning on leaving your wife for another woman. I tell you it's sin and you're mad at me? Just want to clarify what we're talking about now. You got major problems, buddy. With the Lord. Not with, see, why is it that we are so defensive of our most critical truths about us? Why won't we let anyone tell us that we're rude, impatient, angry, selfish, a glutton? <laughs> Why will we not let any? Why? Why do we get mad and we defend those things so? 
See, that was what confused me. I'm thinking, why? Under the subject of why. You know what I always wondered? Why do people get mad when someone breaks up with them? Do you want someone to date you out of pity? Wouldn't you want them to say, hey, sis, I'm just not feeling it. Let's just be friends. Then to just fake their way through it. Didn't they do you a favor when they said, let's don't do this? Right? So that's a whole other story. I just wanted to say that. has nothing to do with the sermon. Thought you single people might like that one. But here's the thing that kind of helped me with my own confusion that I created by observing that people are very defensive over the very truths they need to be open about. You follow me? It is because they don't understand or there is an absence of grace. If a person knows that when you know the truth about me, you'll still love me, you'll still work with me, you'll still try to help me, then they can be open. But if I'm not sure, I'm going to be very defensive of that truth. I have the right to remain silent, and I'm exercising that right. See? I don't know if you've realized this yet, but the worst thing you can put in the hands of an enemy is the truth about you. Because if they know a truth that is not flattering, they will use it to crush you. And that's why I think we get so defensive of those truths. I want to give you an amazing truth, an incredible truth, a truth that you would have never imagined. I'm not perfect. Oh, my God. I'm not going to go beyond that, though. (laughs) I'm not going to go beyond that unless I trust you will take whatever faults I reveal to you and hold them with grace. Hello? I'm saying this because I'll just give tip my hand a little bit that one of the absolute necessities of healing, resolution that heals, is there has to be openness to the right kind of people. There, we have to get up the courage to say, this is me. It's not real pretty, and at times it's outright ugly, but this is me, and I need some help. All right? How are we doing here? Here's the foundational verse uh, for the whole series. It's found in Luke chapter 13, verse 6. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it and did not find any. So he said to the man, what did he go to look for? What am I talking about? Okay. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and when he went to look for fruit, he did not find any. This is a parable that Jesus says about us. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. There's justice. 
Why should it use up soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year. There's the advocate. There's grace. I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. So you see here, you've got what what this formula, truth plus grace plus time equals healing. You've got both formulas in this parable. There is the acknowledgement of failure. For three years, this thing has not produced anything. That is truth. It's an accusation about fault, and it's absolutely accurate. This tree has been standing there taking up space in this vineyard, in this orchard for three years, and nothing to show for it. The fig tree wasn't figgy. You can't hang around a fig tree orchard if you're not figgy. Let's get figgy with it now. Then the voice of law arrives. Cut it down. It's a waste of space. The voice of justice arrives. There's no denying it's true. It is fruitless. And every opportunity, but it did not take advantage of it. Third time has run out. Three years, it's enough. The only time remaining will be the time it takes the guy to go get a shovel from the barn or an axe. He's going to cut it down. But grace steps in. Here's the healing formula. The tree is truly fruitless without excuse. The tree is fruitless. Friends, the, the wonderful thing, uh, maybe is wonderful the right word, the critical thing about grace is that it can only take place in the presence of truth. If there is no guilt, there's no need for grace. Grace operates in the presence of guilt. Well, the healing form of the tree is the tree is fruitless. Then grace replaces justice. The advocate has stepped in. Give me another chance. Give me another chance. I need another opportunity. Then time comes in. He says, "Give me another year." But I want you to notice that it's it's not just another year. So there'll be four instead of three. It will be another year that things will now be different this year than ever before. Because in this year, the year of fruitfulness, they're going to dig around the tree. And they're going to break up that hard ground. And then they're going to start pouring fertilizer. They're not just going to sit there and wait for the Jesus box to show up. They're going to dig around and break it up and break up the soil. Then they're going to pour fertilizer around it so the fertilizer gets down to the root system. It's not going to be a passive year. In fact, friends, whatever you are today, you're just going to be that same thing, just a little age on you, 12 months from now, unless you do something with this time, unless there's some breaking up of the soil and some fertilizing of the ground around you. Unless somehow, some way, 
the part of us that has gotten hardened is broken up and gives access to the fertilizer. The Word of God, the works of the Holy Spirit are able to penetrate through that broken up ground and get down into our spiritual root system. Then things can change. Then things can change. But if you just say, all right, I'm just going to stand here and hopefully some fruit pops out this time, it's, it's not going to happen. Somehow, we've got to make some changes at the root level. We've, we've got to break that hardness up. Don't wait for another word from someone. Then perhaps the result is a fruitful tree. I don't know if you know, um, I don't know if you noticed that this parable leaves you hanging. It just sort of runs out there and we never hear how it ended. He doesn't finish the story. It ends with an advocate saying to the owner, don't cut it down. Give me one more chance. I will get a pick, and I will break up the soil, and I'll go get some fertilizer, and I'll fertilize it. Give me another year. And we're not told how it ended. Did it produce fruit with that extra year, or did it not? And I have a theory. (laughs) The ending was left off. So you and I could write it. You and I can write how this thing ends. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. There is, there is this little voice in your spirit, and it has kind of a haunting tone to it that says, You are not how you're supposed to be. No, not even close. Your family is not how it's supposed to be. Not even close. God said, your life should have love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and all that. You ever walk up to an apple tree, all those brilliant red or yellow apples are shining at you. That's you in the spirit. Love, joy, and peace, patience. All that stuff is is just supposed to be there. And there is this message bearing witness with your spirit. Something has gone terribly wrong. Something's wrong. Not loving enough, if at all. You don't have joy. You don't have peace. You don't have patience. You don't have kindness. You, you don't. No. Something's gone wrong. And Grace steps in and says, "Let's do things different this year. Let's do things different. Let's don't just get harder this year. Let's break up the soil." And let's pour on the fertilizer. 
so that next fall we're standing there with beautiful fruit hanging off our branches. And that's not going to happen because you got a new prophetic word from somebody. And it's not going to happen because a Jesus box arrived and you opened it up and they popped out on you. That's not gonna. It's not gonna be that way. You can go on social media and claim all those verses they send around, which is good, but it's not gonna fix it. What's gonna fix it is breaking up the hard soil around your root system and adding fertilizer to it. What's gonna happen in these weeks as we start this new year is we're gonna learn how to make the right kind of connections. And we're going to learn how to make the right kind of disconnections. And we're going to learn how to make the right kind of reconnections. And then we're going to learn how to live out those connections. And that's my outline. That's how fruit happens. Those are resolutions that heal. You, we can get cynical and say, well, you know, it'd be like all other resolutions. But it does not have to be that way. It does not have to be that way. The fruit of the Spirit is what you were created to bear. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's like, this is you. See, you're living down here. God wants you up here. And the plan is to break up the hard soil and get some fertilizer to your root system. Which means we need to figure out what truth is about us, as ugly as it is. We've got to embrace grace to know that God loves me when I am not very lovely. And then time will create a much better version of me. Hello? Amen. Are you excited? Amen. Stand with me, please. to the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. As loving as you can imagine, He's whispering to your spirit. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. But I love you. And I have a plan for you. And if you'll let me, I'll make you fruitful. Something's wrong. This, this is not the person I redeemed you to be. Without joy, without peace, without patience, without kindness. This, this is not the person I created you to be. I created you to bear fruit. I created you to be loving and peaceful and patient and kind and good and in control. I 
be something so much better than you have seen thus far. No matter what the truth is about you, no matter how much the opposite of that you are, I want you to know I'm on your side. And I will do this if you will cooperate with me. Father, I pray for this congregation. I ask you, Lord, to give us hope. Sometimes, Lord, we walk through life thinking that we are the only ones that are struggling. We're the only ones depressed and discouraged and impatient and angry and bitter, not realizing that there is a spiritual epidemic creating all these things that are the opposite of your fruit. Please, sir, breathe into us a new hope that says things are going to be better. Things are going to be different. I'm going to embrace the challenge. I'm going to face the truth about me. And I'm going to embrace grace for that truth. And God is going to bring me to wholeness. God is going to heal what is broken in me, what is broken in my family. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for anyone who may have dropped in this service today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. Help them, Lord, to have the faith right now to believe that you died guilty of every one of their sins, and that's what's called grace. Help them to know that at their ugliest moment, your heart still longs for them. And that now as they reach out to you, you're reaching out to them to offer your salvation as they believe in their heart and confess with their mouth, Jesus is Lord. Amen. God bless. If you prayed that prayer with us, please let us know. You need some help getting started and so let us give us that opportunity god bless you hope you're excited about this new series i really am so see you see you a little later